He'll get it over the back. He'll look up. He can put it into the path of Francis. That is a beautiful kick. Tip and Woody streams goalward. Guelphie likewise. Francis says, hold it up. He's a long way from home. Waits for an option. That option is Peter Wright. He is within range. And he's been dynamite this afternoon. He's kicked five straight. Critical kick this. If he can put them three goals in front with less than 10 minutes to play, they're suddenly in the box seat. Makes beautiful contact. Gives that a ride. Was never going to miss. Six of the best for Peter Wright. His career personal best. And the Bombers lead by 18 points. That's exactly where it goes. Well called. Brilliant stuff. Parrish gets involved later. Poor bounce. Bombers working out of the superb middle of the ground. I think it was Darren to Wright. And Wright already knows he's got the journey because he's just had a tester from the other side. This for three in a row for the Bombers. This to make it 24 points. This to make it seven goals. Right, no problems with the journey. The goal umpire hasn't even moved. The goal umpire did not even move. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 140. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is just a very happy Grant, and with me is an equally happy Scott. Go Bombers. I'm so pumped. Uh, Go Bombers. <laughs> it's just, it's, that was a magical Sunday uh, afternoon where that is how you finish a weekend, baby. Hand on heart, I I, I gave us probably two percent chance of winning that game, uh, and you know I was very concerned during the week when I heard Langford and Heppel's going out, and I was like, oh okay, this is a team that probably averages ten goals on us uh, the last six games. We've come out and won this game, and. Even 24 hours after, I'm not quite sure I believe it yet, but it was just a brilliant game to watch. Uh, we'll get into a lot of details, but so many things need to be applauded. We'll go through them, coaching uh, certain players, but the big seven-seater man. Mate, the, the reverse cycle heater, the seven-seater Peter, that is... Oh, geez, I tell you what, Stewie Do would be looking at that going, oh, no. I, I tell you, there's both of the clubs there, the dogs would be looking at Jake Stringer going, damn, damn, we had to let that guy go. And I bet you Stewie Do with his, with his decent sort of bloody gut going on, I bet he is looking at, uh, at the big two-metre man and just thinking, wow, 
geez, I wish we didn't have to let him go for a fourth round draft pick. And they're still paying some of his salary to us, by the way. Don't Are they really? Yes. How do you want to get rid of a bloke that much? So, uh, yeah, free up some space. But, uh, but yeah, it's what a – I mean, seven goals straight. Uh, that's a that's more than a bag. Like um, he had to kick five. That's a that's a a mod um, a, a five is more than a bag nowadays, right? In modern footy, but to kick seven, and and the way he got those seven, just the dominating dominating forward fifty uh, display. He took him in the air. He took him leading. He took little chippies. He took him everywhere. And then one of the and all of our fans out there, they're all Bomber fans, they're all footy fans. Is there anything sweeter on this earth than the sound of that leather coming off his boot as he kicked seven straight? Oh, It was about as pretty as it gets. It's funny, though. We've been doing this show for three years. Uh, last week, <laughs> we made the call... You know, there's just no more bags and footy these days. We just have to. We just have yeah. to. We just have to get our head around that. And you know, no one. We, we're not kicking any bags of. You know, no forwards are kicking big bags directly after. I've always. It's going to happen. You know, Mate, as soon as you announce that, Peter Wright kicks seven goals. Uh, so yeah, it's what. What do we know, Scotty? We said it in the uh, in our Thursday night team selection show to our Patreons. We said, brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Average winning margin over the last six years was like 65 points. Um, the dogs midfield, I I know those that have been around the podcast for a good period of time. I have not rated especially um, the McRae kitty. Uh, look, over the most recent uh, times watching them uh, perform, I shall begrudgingly state that the doggies have a half decent or better than that midfield. That's good of and, you. That's good of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, geez, with Trelaw coming back in, who just is no slouch either, right? I thought, wow, we could be in serious trouble here. There's just too many guns in that side, and we've lost Heppel and Langford. And we, we said to the Patreons, brace yourself. And I think we even said it on the... Um, um, on the post-game? On the post game as well. Oh, no, we probably wouldn't have applied to the post game. So we said it on the Patreon that, geez, everybody brace yourself because it's. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it was gonna get it was gonna get ugly potentially, but uh, we we just we didn't come out and blitz that side. We just matched them the entire game and then kicked like five goals to two in one quarter and got ahead by a little bit, and then we just stayed there. Yeah, I mean, oh, it was, it's quite incredible. Yeah. The, the first quarter played out exactly how I thought it would, right? The, the Bulldogs were two or three goals up. They were plus 20 in consensus ball. They were, you know, marking all over the ground, just clear. Uh, we were, you know, frustratingly missing quite a few tackles. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know what happened at quarter time, uh, but a gong went off and our pressure just went through the roof. And did we just slowly but surely wore them down? And it was just very strange to see. You know, we were like, okay, we're two goals down. Okay, we're one goal down. Now it's a tie game. Okay, now we're in front. Now we're a couple of goals in front. Now we're three goals in front. Now That's we're four it. goals in front. And it was just this constant pressure and the concentration 
an effort to do that for four quarters, you know, well, really for, for, for at least the last three quarters straight against such a good side who punish you off any mistakes to have our, you know, the efficiency for the whole team is 80%. We used to applaud guys when we say, look, he was 80% efficiency <laughs> for the whole team. Absolutely. The whole team was 80% efficiency. Uh, and I mean, to have, we've only had 39 inside fifties and our efficiency going forward just suddenly went, okay, we're now the most efficient forward forward line and kicking to our forwards on the leads. Um, and we've uh, said it before and we'll say it again. Uh, I, our, our forward entry into 50 is one of the reasons why we're, we're not as successful as we could be because we have the seven seater in there, right? Like he's a big tall marking option up until recently. We had Hooksy in there. Who's a tall marking option as well. Jonesy. Who's a tall marking option. Jakey, when he's down there can do it. Waller. Who's just, who's, who can't be right. Like we don't, we don't know. He's we out can't of sorts. confirm that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's well and truly out of sorts. And I don't reckon he'd have to have something wrong with him because He's well and truly out of sorts, but we've got enough blokes down there, Dev Smith and that, that can kick us enough points. If, like Jake Stringer so eloquently again demonstrated when you break out from 50, if you put the ball out to the advantage of of two-meter Peter and you don't just bomb it on his head and allow, like we saw V the Demons when Scotty and I went to the last game. Do you remember that, Scotty? I think that was like five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we went to the game, we just saw the ball coming in loopingly big bombs right on the top of, of two meter Peter's head. And the defenders just eat that for breakfast. They just spike it into next Thursday. Half the time I'm looking at it going, my chunky rear end could get up there and, and spike the ball because you know exactly where it's going to be. But when you, when you lower your eyes and you kick it to advantage, like Jakey did, then two meter gets a run at it. He hits it at its highest point, and people are waving their arms around his um around his shoulders. That's about it. Yeah. So the the forward entry was brilliant. We lowered our eyes. We just happened to have a bloke that was completely on fire. But we the the, the strategy of what we did in that game, which we were going to get into very soon, the strategy combined with a bloke on fire, combined with a midfield that well and truly matched the best in the comp means we ended up winning by how much we end up winning by what's 13? that 15 points 13 yeah. or whatever it is so incredible yeah and look we'll obviously go through the players after the break but i think just before the break it is good just to have a couple of minutes just to talk about the coaching because it's funny like i was frustrated against gws on on us not being on whitfield and we've we've had it a few times where the halfback or a, a key midfielder has just got on top of us and, you know, we've been talking about, you know, the next stage of the coaching group is to to introduce a more tactical approach and how can we counter opposition. We said that last strength. week, right? Yeah. So this week, uh, Liberatore, right? So if you watch the Bulldogs, you understand how they're set up. Liberatore is the whole engine. So he's the one that is getting the ball out. He's the number one clearance player in the AFL. And the Bulldogs are the number one clearance play team in the AFL. So, but he's a big deal, right? Big yeah. deal to have the number one clearance player in the comp. Yeah. So he's he's your key player, and we've brought in, well, we've we've made Dylan Clark run around the ground with with uh, Libra to try and nullify him. It's worked like a peach to reduce Liberatore to just two clearances. He had no clearances in the centre bounce, and he had just two around the ground, and that's. 
that's crazy because he averages around 10, right? So it's just limited their engine. And then we've got the hands on the ball and we'll discuss about the the Ruckman and everything up with Sammy a bit later after the break. But then off halfback, Caleb Daniel also kills you. And he's just there. He is there. He sets up their end-to-end transition, which we've been really poor at. Uh, we've addressed that. And I can't help think Gia is in these talks, being the assistant coach last year. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but we've put a, a com- combination of Snelling and Smith uh, it, w- working him over, and he's had no... L- in, inside our forward 50, yeah? Inside our forward yeah. And we've really worked him over. He's had no effect on the game. Uh, Will Snelling will go into later, but, you know, 37 pressure acts, 10 tackles. He played a role and a half for this team, and... And I hope people understand when you win these games, it's not always the high showmans that, that, that win you the game. There's a lot of tactical stuff that's going on. And there's some really key roles. The Caleb Daniel role is massive. The Libera role was massive. And Truck uh, rightfully should be applauded for how he tactically went about this game. Uh, it, was, it was a different approach because we've normally just taken the opposition on and that's how we play. But I think it's... It's exciting to see, hopefully, a next layer of, of Essendon taking that approach. So I, w- I was wrapped. Oh, we, we just we just had we had things to fix in the last game. Yep, and it just it just shows you how quickly it can be done. We did them for 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 a team that has incredible outside mids. Now, Jackson is it Jackson McRae? Yeah. Uh, Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one cares. Um, Jack McRae, yeah. But, yeah, Jackson McRae and the Bont and whoever else they've got in their mids. Um, outside players. Now, that's not to say that they didn't get some inside ball. Libba's not the only bloke in there. But for guys that move across the ground as well as McRae and Bont and the other guys, um, I was really concerned about our ability to run backwards with the ball, right, to that, that transition backwards. And... If I tell you what, it, I'd, I'd love to talk to Truck again just to ask him the question: Did we say something about it? Did we do something with it? Because it was great. There was no witch's hat situations. There was no kicking it out from fifty out to say seventy meters, take a mark, turn around, hit another bloke on a wing um, with with an uncontested mark, turn around, hit another bloke inside fifty, kick it goal. There yeah. was none of that in this game. So the the obvious things that needed to be addressed were addressed inside of one week. And it's, that's the game. That is the game that I reckon truck will have on repeat and oh. the highlights to, to play to the team. Because <laughs> say like, like the whole preseason, you just play this game and saying, when we adhere to the game plan and everyone's playing their role and we have consistent pressure and set up right defensively and limit transition goals. This is what this club can do. Uh, because that's that—that that was a team that was two game two games clear on top. They were clearly the best team in the AFL. Uh, Easily, and and you've actually worn them down. You've smashed them in clearances, like totally smashed them. If you saw the if you see the stats, so uh, full credit to them. Uh, look, we'll go to and, and the coaching staff, mate. Full credit to them and the coaching staff. It was a it was a complete club effort, like two, four quarters, and it's it's the old. Mate, they've they're saying it in the bloody um, they're saying it at the South Croydon under nines right now. Um, you got to play four quarters. You got to play 120 minutes. 
And as much as the likes of we've said it on this, I've said it on this podcast a fair bit, that Parrish seems to be running as fast in the last quarter as he is in the first and Merritt's on fire and Jakey's running around like a cult. Um, We put in a consistent, great effort to the game plan for 120 minutes and look what happens. We beat the top side in the comp. So I couldn't possibly be happier. No, look, totally agree. Let's go. Let's go to a break, and we'll, we'll cover some of the uh, the key players going through. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, um, running through the stats, mate, the the obvious ones, Zach Merritt, again, just another 30, 86% efficiency, um, just an all-round elite game of football again. I'll tell you what, the All-Australian team is going to have to seriously think who from the Essendon Football Club, out of the mids, out of Parrish and Merritt, who do they nominate? Oh, I mean, I think Merritt's gone, gone. Um, for me, yeah, but- number one, uh, he's doing this every week. Uh, and his parish man, he's two possessions behind him. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Sorry, I know, I know, no, no. Sorry, I don't know why. I started no, 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 no. Um, I know that, but it's just there's something about the way Merritt's uh, hitting targets, lowering his eyes. Just his use of the footy is is insane this year. Like it's it, he's so creative. So brilliant at last-minute decisions under pressure, where he's just doing these brilliant 20, 30-meter kicks um, to, to make sure we have control of the footy. Uh, I, you know, I was wrapped for him because he was actually standing captain as well uh, with with Happel out. Okay, uh, and 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 it and it was a great insight to you know to to beat the top team and you're the standing captain. It's just also a nice feeling that you know. That's happened under his leadership. I'm sure he would get a lot out of that just as well. Just, I bet he will too, just quietly. Uh, and look, obviously Parrish is, is very, very close. I mean, it's it's an, it's insane. But uh, I, I can only – I think if I just go over the whole body from round one, and it's probably not Parrish's fault because the couple of, first couple of weeks it was half forward. Because um, really Sheelan round – you know, after round three, right, when he got injured that he moved. So I think merit over just a body of, of work – it's just been that consistent, clean ball handling. Uh, a grade midfielder. A grade midfielder. He's been an A grade midfielder. And but it's, you know, I'm talking fractions though. I mean, Parrish is yeah. right behind you. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like the All Australians would, you cannot deny Darcy Parrish's year. Cannot deny it, mate. Like he's nudging a brown low with how good he's played. He still had nine but, clearances in this game. Like that's it, man. Like that's that's he's on fire, the boy, right? You're right. Zach's is just, he's just, that's why I say the All Australians, mate. How do you, how do you pick between them? Now, if they don't both make the extended side, I'm going to go down to AFL House, but um, it'll be very, very interesting to see how they justify picking one over the other. Yeah, it really will. It's a, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know how they go. But I, that's just me. I, I said at the start of the year, Zach Merritt will win the Crichton. I'm, and you I'm, mate, you said before the start of the year, mate. You said running around at training sessions before the start of the year. You said this to me unsolicited and directly to me, Grant. You should see Zach Merritt running around. 
Yeah. Zach Merritt looks like he is on fire. You said this at the start of the at the start of the year. Look out for Zach Merritt. He is running around on day one like he wants to win a flag. Yeah. And clearly he was. And I just actually just checked the stats then, by the way. So in the AFL and clearances, Darcy Parrish is actually leading on 153 now. So Libba's on 140. Now Libba's played one game behind, but Parrish is now the the leading clearance player. Um That's- that's insane, mate. He's a good player. He's a great kid, great talent. But, geez, would you figure that he could do this in one season? Just flick a switch and go, bang, I am a clearance beast. I'm, I'm, I'm running all game. Like, it's amazing. So, But, uh, but yes, so <laughs> you go first. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, mate. I was just going to head to the next guy, which I, I think, again, we, we spent – five minutes there talking about Zach and, and Darcy, but Nick Hind, mate, it just another incredible addition and an incredible year for this bloke. It just shows you again, St Kilda are looking at him going, wow. And it's, it's, it's probably St Kilda because you're no good that you didn't get the best out of Nick Hind, but Nick Hind, 23 touches, 82%. Again, just a great all round game for him off, off halfback. Uh, <laughs> I want to say something without you going off, going off crazy, which I know where you'll go. Uh, okay. But in all seriousness, this is going to come from me. Uh, um, you have to admit that the off season that the Essendon Football Club had in its drafting and trading has been unbelievable. I mean, I go as far as I, – we'll get to him maybe someday down the show, but Sam Durham, Nick Hind, P- Peter Wright. Nick Cox, Archie Perkins. Now these these, aren't, these yeah. aren't one and two draft picks that yeah. are no-brainers. Anybody's going to pick them. You just you get them in the draft and you go, well, look out, we've got one, two, and three. Of course you're going to get half-decent players unless you pick Jack Watts over Nick Natanui. But um, this, is the, 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 this is why I love that bloke so much because Peter Wright was running around in the kneeful, not doing much. He's still two metres tall. He's still aerobic. He still knows what he's doing. Sammy Durham was playing just with a dirty great mullet somewhere, having no idea that Essendon were looking at him. Nick Hind Hind had elite speed, still does. We've turned him into a backman. To find these guys, Bagley, Hibbard, not that he's there anymore, but Bagley, Hibbard, um, all of these guys, Dodoro and his team, I swear – the most underrated, well, not the most underrated. People do know that he's good, but I agree with you. This year, it's and just, to get yeah. Co- Cox, Perkin, and, and and Reed plus Coldwell, Coldwell plus future um, 150 game players in in Peter Wright and Sam Durham, mate. He's he's all over it. He looks like he's been playing in our side for ten weeks. So yeah, look, the the biggest of big red fire engines. Congratulations, mate, because that is a damn good effort. Yeah, it really is. Like it, it's such a significant part of this story, because it feels like we've done two drafts in one year. Like you, yeah. you, you hope to achieve what's been achieved over two drafts, and, and you know, obviously, we haven't seen really Colwell play but I think if you saw him in the preseason you know there's a play there you do yeah. I have no issue it's just to me it's just whether his hammy holds up if his hammy holds up we've got a really really good player I have no doubt I don't even question that Zach Reed I've seen enough to know 
201 centimetres, whatever, Good people 202. have said it too. Good uh, people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, fine. He, he, he's had a, he's had a, like a Jonesy first year where it hasn't been present. But if he has a Jonesy second year, he'll be nice. Um, but just to have that much talent come through the club and looks like nearly so all, quickly. all nearly all seven or eight of those selections getting right and actually look like they're going to be in your best 22 in the future, that's that's an insane success level. And, and you know, uh, I mean, I, I even saw Robert Shaw say tonight um, saying, uh, even Rob Forster Knight, you know, working with Dodoro, he said, if you know Rob Forster Knight, scouts the whole of Australia, knows, really knows his stuff, knows, he has that combination, they're really working well together, Rob Forster Knight and, and Dodoro, and, and again, just identifying guys around Australia that, they, that can fit into the club. Just, you know, as much as the culture change was in the off-season, and it's significant, you can tell it's very significant, the change, um, truck bringing in the history and everything, that sort of stuff, to get that much right in one off season has just <laughs> propelled us so much quicker than we ever thought. I mean, it's insane to think that if we win the last two games, we could we would could finish even higher seventh. Uh, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's in the first year, man. Like we we never never forget that that um, truck took over this year. That's it. Just took over this year. He appointed two brand new coaches that he's never worked with before in his life, that they've never seen an Essendon player in their life um, and coached them. Then we go and get kids, Wright, Durham. Um, we've got Cox and Perkins. They've got some natural talent, but you've got to make them right. And change management in, in any business. And, and if we think of the club as a, as a business just for a minute, change management and the how you affect genuine change that results in results um, for the want of a better word um, is very, very difficult to do. You can put as many pictures of, of Tim Watson on the wall as you like, but if the players don't buy into your game plan, then you're not going nowhere. And Sam Durham doesn't get to flourish and Nick Hine doesn't get to flourish and he becomes just a bit player for us. But the, the way we've, way we've played this year, we've had some ups, we've had some downs with regards to like forward entry and stuff. And that's not finished. It's not finished by the way, like that we had one good game, um, but how quickly we've done it in one year is very, very impressive. And I reckon the club would just be, they'd be enjoying how quickly it's happening, but they'd also be worried that they're moving too fast as well, but yeah. incredible effort. Just on a, just moving on Tom Cutler. Uh, he's, He's playing the football we hope from the boy. Yeah. I mean, with Tom Cutler, for me, you have to understand what you're going to get. Like, he's 22 disposals, right? One's contested, 21 uncontested. But that that's what you're going to get. Like, if yeah. if you were watched Essendon in in the 90s or early 2000s and you saw Blake Carousella, you'd probably have a similar stat line. He's the outside player. Uh, that runs and hopefully distributes the ball well. He's gained over 600 meters in the in running, uh, and and so he's sorry in 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 gained ball use meters gained or whatever meters it is. gained whatever you call it. But yeah. he's not doing much wrong. Like he's he's playing his role. He's doing. He's. I'll give him this. He's running as hard as I've seen any him run. Uh, in, so far at Essendon at, at the last few weeks. So he's. And that's his game, man. That's his game. Like, I. He's a great athlete. He's a great athlete. So that's his game. And if you. Um, Scotty and I will be very honest in saying that sometimes when we see Tommy, the times we've seen Tommy play, we go, nope, 
no, 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 no. We can't have a guy not real happy to be inside packs. But again, it's got to. Ha- it has to come down to coaching yeah. with him and putting him in the right spots to allow him to get the outlet pass. And then he's very good by foot, and he can run as fast as a midfielder. So Tommy Cutler, mate, 22 possessions, um, 77% again, very, very good. I hate to say it, but he gets another game for mine. Now I've realized uh, we've got to pick a few ones that we like, Grant, because... Uh, yep, Ed, we're going to run out of time. Yeah, we forgot to mention at the start of the show, and that's my bad, sorry. Ed Pasco. Oh, yeah. Ed Pasco is going to join us in probably about 15 minutes. Yep. Uh, so he's going to join us online, and he's going to cover the James Hurd Academy, how the guys are going. Uh, how the how the draft is shaping. And we're probably going to have probably around the pick 10 to 12, it looks like. Who knows? But yep. uh, but he's going to give us a bit of an insight. So uh, I realised if we went through every play, we're probably going to hit another two hours. So, yep. so look, I, I think we've mentioned Dilla Clark's role obviously being very important. Yep. Who have you got? Mate, I was going to have D. Clark. Um, who can I go down the line with? Um, w. Snelling. Oh, massive! Yeah, you you were very eloquent on him earlier. Read me off those stats. Well, it's really it's his role, right? He's the ten tackles and the thirty-seven pressure acts. Forget the, I think he had twelve or thirteen disposals, um, but it, it's it's what his role was, and that's Caleb Daniel and 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 limiting the the Bulldogs. So he sacrifices a bit, but it's. I mean, no player is close to 10 tackles on this ground. He's like four ahead of anyone. Uh, and, you know, no one's close to him on pressure act. So it's he's done his role to absolute perfection of how a truck would want him. Yeah, and the, the next one for mine, and it's an interesting one, is Aaron Francis. Last week, I thought that he, he just looked out of place again and he did all this stuff. Now... Did he set the absolute world on fire um, yesterday? No. Eight total possessions, right? Now, yeah, eight total possessions. And did he kick one? He kicked two, right? So, but what I did see from Francis, which really, really I love, I hope it's not sort of what his um, mental health doesn't need, but I saw Aaron fired up. Like Aaron is a laconic dude. Scott's met him. Um, he's a he's a quiet guy, right? And everybody knows it, and that's fine. But I tell you what, sometimes on the on the pitch, he looks laconic to the point at which he doesn't want to be there. But I saw a bloke running around in a forward line that was demanding ball. He was demanding ball in the right spots, and a guy that was really seriously putting in effort in the forward line. And when you do that with how talented he is, we all know, and he hasn't shown it like he has for a small period of time. But Aaron Francis has, he's, he's shown us 45% of what he can do. And I thought last night his effort and his couple of goals and his mobility and marking ability last night was excellent. I, I want to see that week in and week out from Aaron. I'm with you. I I thought he was in the top 10 players in the game. As far as importance, because he was, for me, playing the hooker role that hooker was struggling to play. So he was either marking it, but if he, did, if he was out of position, he athletically was able to get the ball to the ground uh, and so not let the opposition mark it. So part of our issue was also the opposition marks and then start off transition running. Yeah. And he was not letting them get an easy mark. So 
he did both for me. I thought he was defensively good when he when he felt he was out of position uh, to to bring the ball to the ground, cause a you know stop ball or get the ball to the boundary line that kind of situation. But then when he was in an offensive kind of area, he was marking the ball. He's kicked two goals. That was that that was really encouraging. That role there. I mean, it's one of those teasers, right? If he can play that role, oh man, that's that's huge. And for again, us. you 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 worry about Aaron as long term at Essendon. He's again, he's suffering from uh, mental health issues again, and you just wonder, right? We've played him down back. We've played him forward. Now he's forward again. But I I just every time he does something like that, I just go, oh, oh, Aaron, you could seriously be. Very, very good there for us for the next six to eight years. You could be doing it, right? Um, and so I, I I want to give the guy a huge pat on the back and say that's the kind of Aaron Francis that I want to see, a guy that wants the ball, a guy that's letting dudes know that you put it over my head. I'm running like a madman. Put it anywhere near me and I'll mark it, but don't stick it over my head. That's that's the kind of bloke that I want to see running around in our forward line. And he he... He could be very dangerous down there for us. Very dangerous indeed. The next one for me, quick shout out, because I know we haven't got much time, but Jimmy Stu, oh, much yeah. improved, much improved. Again, he's he's learning, the boy's learning, and he's a, a big, strong unit down there. Um, so a very, very good game for from Jimmy Stu. Not the world's most enormous um, possessions, but... 92% disposal efficiency in the back line is very, very impressive. Oh, he was very good. Like, he was really good. Yeah. It showed a lot of character, actually, from, from the game last week, I thought, to step yep. up big time. Uh, yep. Yeah, so, I, I mean, great goal-saving block um, or smother. Uh, but he was he was really impressive. And, and like, little cameos, even, like, Marty Gleeson, who will never get a shout-out in most shows. No, Ma- Marty's just great. Just does his role. He- Heps goes out. He comes in. Uh, you know, I know Hebs gets the ball a lot, but Gleeson just defensively sound as you like, you know, just perfect. Uh, so, I mean, massive credit to, to Gleeson. I thought, I've got to mention Sam Draper just quickly. Oh, that was going to be the next words out of my mouth. Because the last one we talk about has got to be Sammy. Sammy had a huge effect on this game. Uh, he's the number one score involvement player for us. That, that was an insane stat. You told me that earlier. The number one score involvement. Like, that's amazing. Uh, he's obviously, you know, had a major impact on us getting the clearances. His tap work, uh, the center bounces was spectacular. He's, he's, he was competitive. He was fired up. And the, 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 the task for him now is just really, as he grows into learning to be an AFL player, because he has come from the soccer background and he is 22 years old. Yeah, but we should stop saying that now. Because he's been he's been playing AFL for a good period of time, and he's not a soccer player anymore. He's an AFL football. I know that, but he's still only played fifteen games. So I'm, I'm still saying you can say that all you like, but he's still not experienced senior wise as far as yeah. Also, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a long way. He, it's just a matter of like how can he replay that consistency. That's that's the only thing I'm more uh, to me is his next step is like how can I then go into the Gold Coast. And come out with the same aggression, same influence. That's consistency. Consistency, and that's. Yeah. I get a young Ruffin. We're going to get that, but that's just that's just his next stage to be a, 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 tr- a truly great player. But man, he was, you know, for us to have seventy points from stoppage um, scoring uh, and the Bulldogs twenty-one. He, you know, you've you've clearly had a major effect 
on the game and all credit to him. Uh, glad that he scored a goal too because he's had a few shots on goal. But uh, that have been a touch on the on the uh, on the Fargo side. <laughs> it helped that but, he was twenty meters out. So that's a, yeah, that was that was a good thing. Um, yeah, no, no, Sammy, I love. It. I mean, since we've applied the the uh, the the barbecue lighter of truth, um, he's he's done the things that I'm looking for anyway. In my humble opinion, um, he's brought 105 kilos athleticism and enthusiasm and uh, skill to bear. And he's done it against Tim English, who goes okay as a ruckman. Um, he goes all right. Mm. But Sammy, when he's up and he's about and he wants the ball, he's he's bounding along. He's running around. He's got 105 kegs bouncing off people. So you can tell why people regard him as he could be special. You can tell why people think he's going to be important to the footy club. Um, and you, you were saying earlier, Scotty, you got a, a message from Robert Shaw saying that, um, he was very impressed with Sammy's game as well. So he's really important to us, not just for the taps down, down Dill's throat and down Merritt's throat, but around that ground, um, the effort that he's putting in, the marks that he's taken, pinching a goal here and there, that's what we need from Sammy. And again, it comes down to that consistency of effort. Yep. He's He should be doing that in a game of football because he's got the talent to do it. And just... Before we go to another break and get add on, add on, I have to just do a quick shout out to our two twin towers in Laverde and, and and Ridley. Just, just, just you could just forget about them because they just do it every week. And what do you know? What I loved about Laverde because you, I think it was a, the start of the third quarter. He got hit in his sore shoulder right, and you could tell it was painful. And you're like, yeah, okay, that hurt. Okay, you're not fully right, and that, but that just you know. This guy is as tough as nails, um, and you know he, you know Norton, Norton's had uh, one goal, and so Norton's obviously a very very good player. And you know Hugo Hagen, I think, was on Stewart for a bit. They sometimes rotated a bit, but he's only had one goal. Uh, and Bruce has had, had three goals. Just across the board, those three tools to kick five, only five between them. That's what you wanted, you know. To the amount of ball, I mean, they've had 60 inside 50s Bulldogs, don't forget, to 39. So our defense, yeah, no, our defense played a massive part in this game, if we're being honest, uh, and saved us a lot. And I know they haven't kicked always so straight, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, uh, with with Mason and all them. Our defense, I thought, was, was just sensational. So I just wanted to make sure they got a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, let's get uh, Ed Pascoe on the line. We're going to have a bit of a talk about the draft and the Yeston Academy players. Yeah, the Jimmy Hurd Academy. Where are they? What are they up to? And we may see if we can even see what the Davy Twins are doing. Cool. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, joining us is Ed Pascoe um, from afldraftcentral.com.au. Ed? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's that kind of a... I don't think anyone yeah, really puts you. in... I don't think anyone really puts those in anymore. They just I go know. on to Google and go Draft Central and there you go, you're in. Bingo. Just, just whack it into the Googs, AFL Draft Central. Um, what um, Ed doesn't know about um, drafting and the young kids coming through in this country, you don't need to know. So a massive <laughs> thank you for joining us tonight, Ed. 
Yeah, no worries. It's it's been a pleasure the last few times being on, and can't wait to get stuck into it. Beautiful. So, Scotty, what were we going to start off with tonight? Yeah, so uh, a lot of um, our listeners have been contacting me uh, because it's been a bit of a, a while since we had a chat to you, and and it's kind of getting towards you know we're in August now, getting towards the the busy end of the year. Uh, and people have been asking me, you know, how do you think we our, our first draft selection is going to be, and how's what's our father sons doing, what's the academy players doing? So I thought, uh, let's bring Ed on because I don't know. <laughs> so so uh, let's bring Ed on, who's a bit of a guru at this uh, and is an Essendon fan, so has that kind of understanding of where the football club's at. So I, I guess at the end of this year, let's talk about the end of this year for you. Let's talk about Father Son and, and NGA Academy picks uh, with the James Heard Academy. Where are you seeing the situation at the end of this year? What are the options we have? Yeah, so for the end of this year, we've got three Father Son prospects that, that could make it. Uh, Tex Wanganeen would probably be the biggest name of, of the three. Uh, he's only just come back from injury, which is sustained training with us at the start of the year. But he's come back through Xavier College the other week and uh, got named in the bests as well. So that's pretty promising for him in his first game playing for tell Xavier me, College. Tell me he can play, mate. Please tell me Please tell me a Wanganeen can play. Well, I got to watch him at the start of last year, just before COVID hit, playing for Oakley. Uh, he only played in the twos team, so that obviously said that he wasn't one of the real top-end uh, junior talents of this year. But um, he showed a few good signs playing for the midfield and up forward. He's got a lot of class. like He's very clean, pretty good overhead for his size as well. But I haven't been able to see him since then, so uh, I'm not sure how much he's grown. I'm not sure where his progress has gone since then. I mean, he's coming off a long-term injury as well, so it's a bit tough. But... Um, uh, I heard a few reports that in a Xavier College practice match that he really lit it up. So hopefully we do get some more Victorian football going through COVID and we get to watch him play this year. I mean, he's also playing school football with the Davy Twins as well. So I, I would have loved to have gone to that game last <laughs> week, but because of COVID, those plans kind of got ruined, but yeah, great. there's not much you can do there. But um, the other two we've got are uh, Nawi Moore, who is uh, Nathan Lovett Murray's kid. He's a 184-centimetre forward, pretty creative. He's got a bit of a basketball background as well. So he's got quite a bit of athleticism about him. He's only played the two games this year. He had a bit of a hip complaint in his last game a bit earlier in the year, so he hasn't played since then. But hopefully we get to see him again uh, take the field. Uh, He's probably... uh, He may be our best chance of the three to get taken at the end of the year. And um, finally, Josh Masidi, who's you know, he's that he's a big redhead. He's about that one ninety three centimeter mark. He's a big lump of a lad. So he's played the six games. He's only averaged about the nine disposals a game. So uh, he's probably more on the unlikely stage. But we may see him line up for the VFL side uh, next year. So he might be one to track for future development. I actually watched more in when the the guys were playing amongst the the preseason comp. They're playing with the AFL. List of guys, and they, they had Mercedes and Moore, and um, I think Wangarding was on the sideline in a moon boot at that stage. But just watching more, you you could see something was there. Like you, mm. you, uh, you could see that the you know he was progressing pretty well. So uh, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see where he's at. But it's frustration frustration is with injuries and and COVID that you're seeing so little of what how they've developed. So I, I guess what what. What does a 2022 picture look like then uh, in the following year? Can I, sorry, just to add, mate, sorry to, to interrupt that question, Scotty. Can I just ask a quick one before we go into 2022? Um, 
the, the frustration is that we just haven't had games of footy for these kids to play, right? How many games of AFL footy, like like genuine good good quality AFL sort of lead up footy, would these kids have played up to now without COVID stopping them? How much how much would we have seen and the and the club be able to have knowledge of seeing these kids play? Well, really, they missed an entire year of football. I mean, last year, which especially with a lot of these kids playing school football, I mean, that's that's a lot of it they've missed. I mean, even this year, I mean, what? Uh, Nawi Moore's play only played the two games. Sex Wing and he's come off the injury. So in terms of the Essendon father-sons, there's not as much out there this year for other recruiters to get a bit of a feel for. So if we, if we feel that, we're, that they've actually got a bit of talent, there's a pretty good chance that we could get them very late and come away pretty well but because they have missed so much football I mean you wouldn't expect them to be coming in into the AFL in their you know first or second year and really uh lighting it on fire yeah okay sorry Scotty go ahead mate yeah so, so I guess it's just a question is I, I know people have always coming to me about how the Davy twins are going and it kind of leads to the 2022 what happens at this stage next year and, and where we would be looking at how I guess what what are the options there yeah, so the 2022 one's probably looking the most exciting we've seen so far in terms of both father-son and uh, NGA prospects. I mean, the father-sons in the Davy Twins, I mean, those two are just electric. And, um, they're both at the 180 centimetre mark, so they're already taller than the old man, so they could still grow a little bit more. But, I mean, they're just both electric forwards. I mean, uh, Jaden's the uh, the left footer, a bit more like Alwyn, who uh, he just has a nose for goals and... Uh, Alwyn Jr., he's a bit like Aaron Davey. So he's got a bit of class. He can go forward. He can go for the wing. Uh, he made the Vic Metro squad, even though he didn't get to play any games for Vic Metro. And uh, if the under-17s do get some sort of finish to their championships at the end of the year, he could also line up for the Northern Territory as well, if that's if that's how they want to go about it. But um, at the moment, probably Alwyn's a little bit ahead of Jaden, but both of them are definitely real highlight reels and they'll be ones to watch next year absolutely how does that work with father son when there's two sons oh, like, yeah when there's two of them that was really my question can you actually have two selections as father son yeah yeah absolutely it doesn't matter how many there are i mean okay. it, it's same it works the same for the academy i mean we had um you know air and brand last year and there was no issues with trying to match those bids so okay nah, there, yep. there's no problem with the amount we can do all right. So outside of father son, what what are we what is next year looking like? Uh, we'd still have one more father son though, and that would be um Luca Alessio, who's Ooh. obviously the son of Ooh. Steve. And um he played his first game for Calder the other week. Uh I, w- I would have liked to have watched the game online, but uh the stream was having some issues, so unfortunately uh couldn't watch that game. But apparently he kicked a goal, had about seven disposals. Uh from what I've heard, he's more of a half back he's yeah that 190 centimeter mark but he hasn't even turned 17 yet he turned 17 in october so he still could have a bit of growth to go so i mean going off his disposals i assume he played forward this time so he's got a bit of versatility about him so he might be another one to look out for but um in terms of the nga players i mean uh all of them have played for colder cannons this year and done pretty well uh carlos egan's probably the first one off the ranks uh he represented Victorian under-15s uh, school football. He's got a great leap on him. Uh, he's pretty exciting, smaller type at about 173 centimetres. Is and- he the guy with the left boot? Uh, no. Nope. Okay, no. well done, Grant. Nice work. <laughs> no, no. But the, we'll get on to one with the left footer uh, next with uh, Ruben Road, who's Aha. probably about 
probably about that same uh, type of player. He's a smaller type, left footer. Uh, can he's mostly a small forward, but can play uh, half back as well, like he did in the Vic Metro trials. Okay. So the fact he played Vic Metro trials for the under seventeen shows that uh, there's a few clubs that probably reckon he's a bit of a talent. I mean, he's very quick and he's. Uh, very elusive and he has a real crack as well. So he's another one who's good. And uh, a few uh, people from Colder think this one might be the best of them. And Matt Foley, who's a 186 centimeter medium defender. So he's got a lot of composure and class. So he uses the ball really well off half back. I haven't been able to see him at all uh, this year, sadly, but um, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll get to watch a bit more of him. But uh, I got to watch him play uh, and in the, uh, it's not quite not t- not quite allies, but it's all the young academy type players in under 15s, and he was one that really impressed me at, at halfback. So, okay, so we, we've got about what six players that we could potentially add to the list next year. I mean, all six of them uh, have have looked like genuine prospects for uh, next year. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to see how we juggle that, and we may want to hide a couple here or there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, 2022 is going to be the bumper crop for us. That, that's my uh, that's my question to you. I want all of those kids now on your recommendation. <laughs> I want all of them. I think they'll all be very good for us. But how do we? You you how do we? How do we sort of focus on getting the Davids? I mean, obviously the David twins sound like they're they're rolled gold. They sound like they're going to be really really good. Do we get first crack at them like we did um, uh, in this year's draft? Like, do we get? As a father, son, and again, please excuse my ignorance on this. Do we have to match them with points? Uh, yeah, so we'd have to match them with points. And um, also with our NGA guys next year, uh, now we cannot match a bid in the top 40. So uh, even though those kids look really good, we don't probably want them to play too well or else they'll probably get looked at in that top 40 range and they'll be out of our reach. But in terms okay. of the Davy Twins, they're locked in and Luca Alessio. Uh, we, we can match a bid no matter where they come from. So father's so, son, you can match no matter where, you know, like Nick yeah. Dacos, right? Uh, you know, uh, okay. You can, you, you, as soon as you've got a father's son, you can match him no matter what. But the, there's a changing of the rule because too many people are grabbing academy players at, at early stage. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Jamara one really, uh, that, that's the one that broke the camel's back. So, you know, he's going to pick one and he's obviously the best talent in the draft. So that's what they're trying to do. They don't want, you know, they they want some of the best players in the pool, not not going to this club and that club, no matter what. Not going to grand final favourites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess that leads to Essendon this year. Um, and and I'll, I'm just going to ask you a quick question without notice. Knowing that we discussed who we picked up, Cox, Perkins and Reed. Have you felt like they've gone just as a, as an observer this year? Like, ha, have you felt like the young young guys have gone and 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 anything that in your mind that's kind of stood out? Well, personally, I think all three have gone above and beyond my expectations. Uh, I mean, especially Cox, who I thought as a rangy type, he was going to take a while to even play senior football, let alone just about every game in his first year. So. Uh, he's one who's just impressed me out of sight. I mean, he's one that I really liked uh, when I got to see him in a practice match at the start of last year. And he played on Jamara, playing as a, like a, a full-back, centre-half-back role. So that, that's still something that could be for him in later terms. But um, he just looks so smooth on that wing. And with his amount of confidence, there's, n- there's no reason why he can't be a midfielder long-term, like a proper midfielder. 
Mm. I mean, uh, I think uh, I can't recall which game it was. It was one of the more recent ones where he uh, almost kicked some miraculous goal where he's just come out of nowhere to take the ball. And oh, the one that hit the post? Yeah. Yeah, I might have been the one that hit the post, but that, that was just super exciting for someone of his height to be able to do that. And uh, Archie Perkins, I mean, he's just had some real touches of class in the way he's played. I mean, he's still not the finished product yet. I mean, there's still quite a bit of work that needs to be done there. But, I mean, his natural confidence and flair just adds another dimension to, to the side long term. And he's one that I feel if they can really get his running capacity up really high, I think in the next one or two years, he could really lift above where anyone would think he would go. I mean, he's upside's enormous. And in terms of Zach Reed, he only got that one game, which was unfortunately... You know, he got the glandular fever from it. It was terrible conditions for a, yeah, a young key defender. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I still thought he played all right. I still thought he showed quite quite a few good signs. And, I mean, it's unlucky he's missed the rest of the year this year. But, I mean, I'm super excited about Zach Reed as well. And, and Remind us about Reed a bit. Well, I mean, the, the obvious the, – I mean, we're not going to see him this year, but then there's going to be a whole offseason. Remind us about Reed and why we picked him up first. I mean, and totally apart from the fact that he's 201 centimetres tall. Uh, I think a lot of his upside, along with his skill level, I mean, he uses the ball so well for someone of his height. Like his composure, like like I've said it time and time again, he's like a taller version of Ridley. I mean, he just doesn't panic. He thinks through situations, but he's also athletic. Like he's got a really good leap. Um, I wouldn't say he's super quick, but he reads the play extremely well and very nimble below his, below his knees. So, and Again, he could be a key forward or key defender, but I just think his skills off halfback would just really complement what we've got there. Mm. Now, uh, just to, to quickly get us, uh, while the show's not too long, uh, I guess this year's draft coming up, uh, in some ways, probably to do that this game, the game against the Bulldogs <laughs> threw a, an odd spanner in the works for the positive for the club, um, but... You know, at one stage you're going, oh, we're going to have like pick seven. But now now you're going, I wonder if we're going to have pick 13. You know, uh, how much has changed? So I guess if, if we say around that kind of nine to 13 mark, um, uh, how do you, have a, do you have a view of where you think we should look and have a view of, 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 of three or four names that we should consider? Well, one of the promising things about what this draft's showing at the moment is from about pick five to pick 15, it's really even. I mean, I, I could see a player, you know, that, that I'd like a pick five that could potentially be around a pick 15 and so a player at pick 15 that I would have probably thought they should have probably gone in the top 10. So uh, I'm not as really concerned about where Essendon finish on the ladder from here, because I still think we're a very good chance to pick a player that would definitely suit our name. This draft in particular is really good for midfielders. I mean, if we want to really improve that midfield depth, I mean, that that's certainly an area we can fit. I mean, we only just have to look local for someone like Josh Goda, who played a VFL game for us early in the year as well. I mean, he's 190 centimetres, super athletic, uh, can play midfield, halfback, half forward. I mean, he's, uh, of all the players I could think of, he's the most Dodoro style of pick. I mean, just huge upside, yep. can play anywhere, 190 centimetres. I mean, he could be anything. Um, uh, Campbell Chester is probably another one as, as a taller midfielder, 186 from Sandringham. He's got good skills. Uh, not to be confused with Sam Draper, but Arlo Draper. He's not related to Sam, but he's a really talented midfielder out of uh, South Australia. Bit of a forward as well. 
I liken him to to an Archie Perkins. He's a very Archie Perkins type of player, very smooth. Uh, and in uh, WA, you've got two midfielders over 188 centimetres in Neil Erasmus, who in one game he played very recently, like running me of human cluggage. Like his class and his ability to win the ball all over the ground, he looked really superb. He's really good overhead as well. And Matt Johnson, who at about 192 centimetres, he's got a lot of class as well. He's not he's not quite the big inside mid type of midfielder, but he's just really classy. He may turn out to be a Jack McRae type of player. That's a very interesting call that you made then because, uh, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, uh, this is I, I shouldn't even mention this name, but Tom Brown tweeted, you know, Essendon's – he kind of alluded to Essendon's making a bit of a, a calculated mistake here by winning and, and losing a draft pick, low draft pick selection. But basically what you're saying is you could we could finish sixth or, or be in the top eight and really the play we're going to get is, is going to be not much different. Yeah, and I think a lot of clubs will be in that same boat as well. I think a lot of clubs will have certain players they rate a bit more than others and – the player they get at six is probably the one that they feel was there anyway, and vice versa. The player you got at thirteen, you may have wanted in your top six anyway. So, but that that actually happens a lot of the time for most draft years. But in particular this year, I think I think you'd be crazy to trade out a first rounder for this year's draft from now on because uh, you could potentially get a player that your club rates in the top five in like you know pick 12, 13, 14. So, yeah. So, see, I'm pretty comfortable with, with where we finish because I'm pretty confident that we'll get a good player. And um, if uh, recent drafting strategies suggest for SN in particular, we'll look for athleticism first and foremost. And mm. just so happens, there's quite a few good athletic players, and especially in that hometown uh, kid in Josh Goda. Mate, is there any? Um, I mean, every time I, I watch Tom Papley chasing after the ball with with Ridley chasing him and uh, not not keeping up with him. Is there any small back pockets that are coming through the draft that we could pinch so that we don't have to have Ridley playing on the <laughs> likes of Papley? Um, well, another one of the players that could be in with that first-round pick is a player from Sandringham, Josh Sin, who is a super quick half-back flanker, uh, good leadership qualities. He's about 186 centimetres, can also play for the midfield. Um He's had an up-and-down year, especially through injury this year, but I remember watching one game he played at the start of the year in a uh, practice match. It was in the wet, and he just kicked this incredible goal on his left foot uh, right on on the hard boundary for a left footer, and it just showed his class when he's really up and about. And uh, another one that I really like personally but may not go as high as our first-round pick is a kid called Darcy Wilmot, who literally missed out on next year's draft by one day. Um, so yeah, he's okay. got a lot of upside. Now he's just tough as nails, uh, really good kick, really, really quick as well. Uh, if you look on the recent, um, uh, AFL.com's, uh, little, uh, road to the draft type thing, they have a few videos out. They've got, uh, Jai Amos, Josh Rosselli and, uh, Darcy Wilmot and check out one of Darcy Wilmot's goals in that last highlight package. And I was there live and that's what, uh, put him on my radar. And uh, the upside's enormous. He's got a good, um, He's good overhead. He's good at ground level, super quick, super tough. Uh, he's really the type of player that you often don't see go high because he is a pure defender. But I think he's going to be a really good prospect for years to come. Uh, just so to before we wrap it up, how, how deep is the draft? Because we've got no second round selection at the moment, right? We, we may end up acquiring one if we do a trade or anything like that. But at the moment, we've got pick one and, 
and and I think a third round selection. So how deep does this does this draft go that that the third round comes comes into play? I think it runs deeper than last year's at, at this stage. I mean, okay, uh, last year didn't get the um. Yeah, that you know they didn't get to, to have much of their draft year to begin with, so some players could have really pushed up a little bit. But there's a lot of players when I go through my rankings at the moment that I have in the you know the 40s and 50s, and I go, gee, they're actually not too far off the top 30 from last year. So okay. there's still a bit of a bit there. There's a lot of good small forwards in this draft, a lot of midfielders. The uh, key forwards are a little bit a uh, little bit hit and miss. And especially the key defenders. I mean, there's one really good key defender at the start of the draft in Josh Gibkiss, who's a very athletic, a very good young player. But apart from him, there hasn't really been any key defenders really take the mantle. So it's really hard to gauge how good the key forwards are this year because they're not playing on good key defenders. Mm. So there's a lot for uh, AFL clubs to consider in that in that area. Well, mate, you've done us proud again. Uh, Absolutely. Look, no doubt... Um, as the season really ramps up in, in in a couple of months or maybe just under a couple of months, uh, we would love to have you on the show again um, once we kind of understand where our end of our position is. We can look more into the draft. Um, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, it, you always get uh, really good compliments from our listeners and, and they actually love when you're on. So we'd love you to invite you back when the, when the, when the, when the, when the uh, draft is becoming front and centre and we know what our picks are. Yeah, I'd love to be back on. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Sorry, I had a, cr- had a little bug in my throat. <laughs> you just almost <laughs> run out of breath there, didn't you, Scotty? It's like that when we talk to Ed. No, mate, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Like Scotty said, we get a lot of great feedback, and could, especially especially to understand the future. We've got we've got Nick Cox at the moment. We've got the the Perk. Um, one of the questions actually that just sort of dawned on me with regards to Perkins, where would you play him moving forward? Like, I know we've got to get his um, tank up and we've got to get everybody's tank up if you possibly can. Um, but do you see him as a as a, a inside 50 forward kicking goals? Or do you think he's got, once he can get a bit more of a tank, has he got quality midfield minutes in him? It's a really tough question. Uh, uh, the way I'd be looking to use him, especially with the midfielders we've got at the moment, is to use him in a Paul Chapman and Stevie Johnson type of uh, type of role. I mean, someone who can go through there, but you still want him forward for his, you know, for his class up forward. But I mean, he's also brings a lot to the midfield as well. So I wouldn't see him as as much of a permanent midfielder as say a Parish or Merritt is, but definitely one that you'd want to get. Depending on who you play as well and who you've got at your disposal, I'd want to be playing him forward and and mid. But um, I, I, I like that. I like the look of him forward, man. Like those those few goals he kicked a while back, it it, it looked smooth. It looked pretty. He looked like he, he as soon as he gets the ball, he knows exactly where he is in front of the sticks. And I know. I mean, like, we've got one of the better forwards on his day running around in Jake Stringer at the moment, and we're playing him a lot out of the mids because he's got such an upside there. But I look at Perk and I go, we've got McGrath and Caldwell coming back. We've got um, Shield and Merritt and Parrish going berserk. I just think, oh, geez, I'd love to see I'd love to see Perk play two years in a row down there, really get into his trade, really start kicking a few goals, and then – Doing like they start to do what they do with Stringer and just move him through the mid every now and then um, for something different, bit of a matchup issue, but mostly play him down forward because goal sneaks like that, they kick your goals um, and they're worth their weight. So it'll be very interesting to see how he uh, progresses as a player. 
Yeah, speaking of goals, and I forgot to mention it earlier in terms of father-sons. Now, this is for 2027, but Kobe wow. Kobe Buick, uh, he has proved to be an absolute... What is yeah, he, ab- seven years old? <laughs> yeah, uh, under 12s for Strathmore. <laughs> he made the Vic, 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 Victoria's under 12s team. So he's obviously very highly rated. Team for Victoria, that's great. Yep, um, he's kicked thirty-seven goals from eleven games as well this year. Of course, year. he has the boy. So uh, he 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 is one that has uh, got a few people really excited for what he could become uh, a bit later on. I mean, Sign there's him. been some there've <laughs> been some good players do well in under twelves. Uh, like Matt Rao was one who really showed how good he was in under twelves, even that early. So. Uh, there might be a bit of pressure on the kid in the coming years, but this year and uh, and for the next few years to come, Boris Jr., I mean, he's he'll be one to watch. Uh, I mean, track his goals for Strathmore because it looks like he's got an eye for him, and I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, mate. I'll tell you what, I reckon his only pressure for the next two years is what he's going to bring to show and tell. Um, at primary school, hopefully. Um, but, mate, if he's kicking bags, we will take it. I just want to uh, quietly, what took, Darren Buick so long. <laughs> what, what, what took him so long to produce one? I don't think, he, I don't think Ed's got that kind of AFL draft central yeah, answer. He's been too busy Darren coaching Buick's... the Eastern Rangers, I reckon. Yeah, geez, Darren, you've you've left that a bit late, mate. Like you've got 2027. That's a that's a fun Friday night. He must have had a while back. Anyway, um, thank you very much, uh, Ed, for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. We know that the uh, the fans love um, listening to what you got to say. Um, where they can find you at AFL Draft Central, just banging into Google. Everything you want to know about up-and-coming talent, not just for what Essendon um, may or may not do in the uh, the upcoming draft, but players from WA, South Australia, all around this country. I had another flick through the website again today, and it's it's comprehensive. Grab yourself a bevy, sit down in front of that website, mm-hmm. and you'll be up to date on on everybody, basically every kid. Um, have you got the under twelves on there? Ah, uh, no, not that early. But, um... <laughs> okay, not quite yet. <laughs> not uh, we, quite, we don't but... want to go. We don't. We don't want to go too early there. But um, yeah. Um, what, what we've been doing there's been really good. Um, if you had a keen eye on the women's draft, uh, they showed a bit huh? of Carlton uh, trying to get their picks right, and they had one of our draft guides on hand. So um, uh-huh. a pleasure. To, so um, really great work from a lot of the team to get that draft guide really going, not just for the men's and for the women's. And it seems that recruiters really like it as well. So, I mean, we're just going to keep trying hard to uh, <laughs> keep keep bringing a lot of great draft content when we can. Up, did you send him a bill? Ah, jeez. Should have, should have, mate, should have. No, but well done. I mean, that, that's, that's an absolute credit to you guys. Well done. So thank you very much, Ed, mate. We really appreciate it. We will be talking to you again very soon, we hope. Yeah, it would be awesome to come back on, guys. Thanks, everyone. And and we'll uh, wrap up the show after the break. Yeah. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now, another great interview with our uh, with our man, Ed Pascoe, from AFL Draft Central. Love it. Uh, hopefully, you got all your fix and you understand the 
complete situation of where Essendon's at, what their options are. All the way up to 2027. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Uh, What this bloke knows, what did seriously, what he does not know, you don't need to know. I keep saying it, um, how he's not the head of statistics at Ernst & Young or something, I don't know. Um, But he's just got an incredible resource at aflcentral.com.au. It's an incredible resource to just spend some time to look through Write a few of the names down that um, that uh, take your eye and then check it out at draft time. You'll know when they say a name, you'll know because you've, you've checked it out on his website. We do it as we get closer to the um, to the draft every year. So massive thanks to Ed again. So, uh, look, we'll, we'll have, this has been obviously one of our longer shows, so we'll, we'll wrap up there. Big thanks to all your support. Big thanks to all the kind messages on the shitty show. We're... We're looking to do another little project with Sheeds later on soon. Yep. Um, but big thanks for all, for all the kind comments and your support for the show to our Patreons. Massive thanks to your support. You can join our Patreon for just for just as low as three dollars a month. Uh, Speaking of the Patreons, yes. Scotty, just a quick quick couple of quick shout outs. Um, Sarah McAleer, McAleer, McAleer. Sarah, let me know if I've just butchered that. Um, Joshua Ryan back now. He was off for a while, but he's back. Just when they thought they were out, they dragged me back in. GP. GP. Just GP. Thank you for joining us, mate. Luke Zania. I think that I think we've seen him before. Um, and then we've got an interesting one. I'm not sure about it, but I love it. It's weird. Sack Attack 5. Like it. Sack Attack 5. It's strange and I love it. Uh, Banjo Lee. Now, how do you say this? L-E-A-H-Y. Lee. Lay, lay, is it lay? I don't know. Um, but Banjo Lay, Jordy, Alex Simos, Campbell, and the like. So um, a, a big thank you to our uh, our new Patreons. Big, big, big thanks. Uh, so this is the show wrapping up. You can catch us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud as normal. Uh, Grantus, what have you got to say? One more last thing. Sorry, I forgot a couple of Patreons. G, just G for G, G. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Matthew Brown and Wendy Van Dyke as well. My apologies for those guys. Sorry, you just you snuck in there at the last minute. Um, but thank you for joining up as well. So uh, you can catch us lunch lunch catch up on Twitter, Scooter on um, on Twitter as well. Uh, lunch time chat, lunchtime catch up on Instagram. So you can join our Facebook group. Yep. So we've got a YouTube channel, we've got all of everything going. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you for appreciate it. Uh, what a, uh, uh, an awesome week to have ahead of us because I, I love it, man. That's how you, side. that's how you start off a week, baby. I, I bounded into the, uh, into the office, i.e. my front room and just sat down and was very, very happy from here. It's taco Monday and I'm going to go down and watch the replay. Well, I've got tacos tonight too. So hey, hey, I, I just said mind. I need, I need a celebration meal, uh, to my wife. Taco Monday, baby. I know a lot of people go with taco Tuesday. Nah. Taco Monday. Yep. It's Taco Monday and a replay day for me. So thank you, everyone. Uh, talk soon. We'll obviously do our Thursday team selection show for the upcoming Suns game. There's no, no I believe that they're not going to know this where the Suns and Essendon will play till tomorrow. So we have to wait another 24 hours to find out where the location will be, but we'll see how we go. But, yeah, Thursday team selection show for the Patreons coming up. That's us signing off. Have a good night, Grant. See you, mate. We'll talk soon.